Welcome to episode 20 of Beyond the Desk, a podcast of the West Dallas Public Library. We'll talk about books, resources, lifelong learning, and what makes our community great. I'm your host, Beth, and today, Anna Lardinois, a a local author, is joining me. In this episode, we'll talk about Anna's new book, Madison Ghosts and Legends, which is part of the Haunted America series, Wisconsin History and Legends, and what it takes to research paranormal activities. Hey, welcome to Beyond the Desk. This is Beth, and I'm an intern at the library. Um, today I'm here with Anna Lardinoy, who is a local author of historical books about Wisconsin legends, shipwrecks, and ghost stories. Her newest book, Madison Ghosts and Legends, will be released in September, on September 5th, 2022. The book is a regional companion to Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends, which was published in 2018. Well, thank you so much for having me, Beth. I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you for coming in. There's something I love more than ghosts, so it's a fun opportunity for me to talk about my very favorite subject, and I love sharing all of these new ghost stories I know. Yeah, and you said you, so you've written eight books. I have, I and I'm very excited about that, and most of them have to do with haunted history and legends. So I have two of the adult books for ghosts, Madison Ghosts and Legends and Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends, but I also have four books that are part of the Spooky America series that are for spooky youngsters. So Ghostly Tales of Milwaukee, Flint, Michigan, Baraboo, Wisconsin, and released in August, The Ghostly Tales of Prescott, Arizona. So I love talking spooky stuff. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you here today. You did step away from the paranormal books for a bit when you were writing about shipwrecks and some of those other historical topics. Well, yes, my my book, Storied and Scandalous Wisconsin, still goes into the dark history of Wisconsin, but does not have ghosts. But I definitely have murders, prostitution, the mafia, a lot, a lot of stuff that would definitely deal with the darker side of life. But when I did Shipwrecks of the Great Lakes, I purposely picked shipwrecks that have um, legends and lore attached to them because I find that the people who enjoy my work are people who are looking for that supernatural element and elements of folk tales in my work. Awesome. You were approached, right, for that book? Well, it's an interesting um, story about how that started out. So I really wanted to write a book about shipwrecks of the Great Lakes that you know pertain to these legends uh, because of my um, haunted historical walking tours, Gothic Milwaukee. One of my stops I told about haunted shipwreck tours and I really became captivated by the subject. So I approached the publisher of Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends because that book sold really well and I said I'd love to do this book and they said well we want to work with you but we don't want to write that. We don't want that book. It's regional is a hard book to sell and everything everything that can be said about shipwrecks has already been said. So I tried to work with other publishers, which is actually how I got into Storied and Scandalous. I pitched that same shipwreck book to Globe, which is the company that ended up publishing Storied and Scandalous. And they said, we don't like that book idea, but we want to work with you. We have this series. Would you like to do the Wisconsin one? And I said, yes, because I really wanted to try to spread my wings into more historical writing. And I did a chapter in that book on shipwrecks, 
And another editor at the company looked at it and said, do you want to write a whole book about ship or a whole whole book about shipwrecks? And I said, that's my dream. I do definitely want to, (laughs) but I want to pick out ones that have lore because storied and scandals, they were very clear that they did not want my ghostly influence, but I'm fueled partially on ghosts. So I really wanted to have that part of a book. And they said, just pick whatever you want and do it. And so that's how that book became. And then Madison, um, the publishers of Milwaukee, came back to me and said, we'd like to work with you again. We can't find anyone to write this book, but we really want to do it. And I said, well, let me take a look and find out about Madison Ghosts and see if this is something I can connect with. And I found out that some of my favorite buildings are haunted. And that really made me very intrigued. And I dove into the book and the rest is history. So that was a really fun book for me to read because now that I've done this so many times, I felt really much more comfortable um, writing it because I, I have a better sense of what people want and kind of the the fun of um, these kind of tales. I had it certainly was much more relaxed writing this than I was the first book. Yeah, I mean, you kind of had a you had a feel for what what the first book was like too so it's always a little bit easier oh right the because the first time i wrote a book was milwaukee ghosts and legends and i i was kind of scared the entire time i was doing it because i i just imagined people's reaction which is the, the least fun reason and way to write and this time i uh, i have much thicker skin and i had much more fun doing the stories and so so it's a more joyful experience great i mean that's one of the hardest things about being an author and a writer is putting your work out there mm-hmm. and that fear of being rejected right right but i now realize as my work it's a larger and larger audience that it is going to be 100% impossible to please everyone and I just have to do the best I can for who I am at that time and understand that by the time the book comes out I'll see a million ways I could have done it better and that's just part of the journey of being someone who does a craft like writing or carpentry or anything where your skill gets better the more you use it. So you said you've always been drawn to ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Is that since you were a kid? Or? Yeah, but it, you would never believe this, but I am probably the biggest scaredy cat in the universe. <laughs> I loved ghostly things as a kid, but I was also so terrified that I would be afraid of commercials. Commercials for scary things uh-huh. were terrifying to me, but I think when I think about my origin as a scary storyteller, I remember this a time when I was growing up and across the street, my I have a sister who's one year younger than I am and there were two girls that were also very close in age. So the four sisters would play all the time. And we just had, you know, that long summer overnight thing where you're sleeping in, you know, four girls in a twin bed and then doing that kind of like wild and free um, summer. And so they lived in a historic farmhouse, which was scary from the get go. We lived in a, you know, a brand new built house. It was built in these former farm fields, but they had the real house. It had dirt floors. It was so beautifully creepy. And to top it all off, their mom was an antique dealer. So their house had tons of antiques, but 
I found it so scary to go to their bedrooms because they had a, a little shelf that just kind of lined their staircase to go upstairs. And it had all of those porcelain dolls lined up on it, <laughs> dressed with their little creepy eyes. And so just walking up those staircase to go to that bedroom was scary. And then we would lay in bed and tell each other stories. And I remember telling the story of how this house was haunted. And even while I was telling it, and I knew I was making the entire thing up, at the end, I got too afraid to go to sleep. So I have a story that I totally made oh up gosh. and I knew that I was making it up. So I've just, um, I've always loved that visceral thrill you get from those stories. I've never outgrown it, but I'm still a scary cat. When the last scary movie I saw was Heredity and I sometimes still have bad dreams about it. And I think that came out several years ago. Yeah. So I, I'm still a super chicken, but I love, I love to push push the envelope yeah I mean I think part of the scary stories is also the history as you mentioned so these older buildings Mm -hmm. um, the people that surround it well it's definitely why I love telling these stories because I don't truly love the ghost part of the story I love the reason why someone became a ghost That is the intriguing part to me. So some people are fascinated and thrilled by, let's say, ghost hunting shows, which is really looking at cold spots and and things. That is, I respect that, but not interesting to me at all. I want to know how the ghost got there and why it sticks around. So the human part of that story is really what compels me. I'm really interested in the research process that you go through. Sure. Well, it's super fun. And one of my favorite ways uh, of doing research for these kind of books is diving into newspaper archives because um, newspaper archives will give you a lot of hints about what's going on. If you want to find out why a building is haunted, looking back at the history of that building is a fantastic way to do that, especially if you find something uh out that that happened then you can dive into the story that way another really interesting thing that i didn't realize before i started doing this kind of research is that throughout time we have reported in legitimate newspapers ghostly stories so that's thrilling to me and and you might be thinking as a listener well clearly we don't do that anymore but i assure you if you look even at the journal sentinel during october they are going to publish ghostly stories or even legends i find that fascinating when i think of a contemporary ghost story that was published in the paper i only have to go back to the 1990s and remember the story about the Valentin Blatt's office building that is now part of the MSOE campus. It was considered haunted really since the death of Val Blatt's, the founder of Blatt's Beer. And the legend carried on for generation after generation. And when that building was taken over by MSOE, the people who worked in the building knew about the legend and they decided they were going to get to the bottom of this. So they actually on their own hire some kind of a paranormal normal professional, I think, kind of a psychic, and they end up doing a seance in the building to find out if it's truly haunted. And how do I know this? You are sure wondering, because it was reported in the paper the next day. (laughs) So you can find reports of this seance 
on November 1st in the newspaper, 1990. Look it up. And I find that fantastic. So we, we see this often in... Um, in history. Another one of my favorite stories that I tell on the shipwreck tour is a story of the Ironsides, which is a boat that sinks in Lake Michigan, but has a modern component because in 2000, something happens and it's reported in the paper and people link that strange happening in 2000 to ghosts. So it's, it's wonderful for researchers like me that like that kind of thin line between history and folklore that you can find these things in pretty mainstream publications as a jumping off point. Another place that I love doing research is historical societies because they're usually very poorly funded. They are relying on uh, donations. So if you go in and, and request to see something, they'll often give you a box of stuff that they are not 100% sure what's in it. They know the general theme of the box. But I have never looked through a box as a researcher at any historical type of place where I have not found something that they did not know was in there. What? Every single time it's so super fantastic because I will look for things I think I'm looking for one thing but this another artifact finds me and says oh Anna pay attention to this story. I love it. It's it's like a treasure hunt but like dusty. Yeah it's almost like you're volunteering and you're helping uncover history well it's so great because they i mean they rely on on people like me because they don't have enough volunteers to Mm -hmm. go through every single donation they have so when they get a person who's picking through a box that no one's looked through for 10 years it's wonderful to uncover new things i love it yeah it's like you're helping preserve history through the stories well i definitely think that that has always been part of the the storytelling tradition is it helps us remember who we are and what our core values are. So a lot of those newspaper articles, you know, they just get lost too. Mm -hmm. So distilling them down into an easy to digest sort of format for for people to see. It's a collection, right? Absolutely. The collection of, of stories. Absolutely. Could you explain a little bit more about Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends, as well as Madison Ghosts and Legends. Sure. Both of the books, I I pretty much approached them in a similar way. I started with making a list of what are the things that we are, are famously haunted. So for Milwaukee, a famously haunted building is the Pfister. So it's just a matter of collecting stories. And the Fister is a perfect example of ghostly tales that make it into mainstream media because there have been so many stories about the Fister that even ESPN has done an expose on it. Sports Illustrated has covered it. Baseball team staying there. Absolutely. saying this is definitely haunted. Yes. So that's a perfect... So making those lists and then with Madison also making the list of the Capitol building is haunted. And then I I dove into that story and, and a lot of us think, oh, the Capitol building is haunted because of that terrible tragedy that happened when they were remodeling and, and uh, scaffolding fell and several people die. But I dug a little further and that might not be the only reason that the building is haunted. 
before the Capitol w- was in its current location, but still in the area, there was a murder on the Capitol floor between two feuding politicians. Whoa. Right. And so maybe that bloodshed also is, is part of that experience. And I, I put both of those stories into the the haunting of our Capitol building, along with history of the building, because I think all of that's important. When someone tells me that they definitively know anything about ghosts, I wonder how that could even be possible. How are you having access to the mysteries of the universe? No, we don't know. So I'm just giving you a a smattering of of different legends and the origin behind them and, and let you kind of decide what you want to do with that. Do you have a favorite haunted place in Milwaukee or just in general? Well, there's just so, that that is just such a a choice of who do you love the most. (laughs) I can tell you, these are the things I I recommend. So for me, the Fister is an incredibly special place because not only is it Milwaukee's most famously haunted building, but I did spend a year as a writer in residence there and it was a, a true joy of my life. So I don't think that I'll ever think of the Fister as just a hotel. It's always going to be very, very special to me. I love many of the tales that come with the Marquette campus. I love that there's a dormitory that used to be a children's hospital and the basement had a morgue for children. And they say sometimes on the security cameras, you can see ghostly children in little hospital gowns playing in the hallways. And many, many other stories. And how is that not fascinating? And then for, for not necessarily a spooky experience, but an experience that never fails to move me, I love going to the Forest Home Cemetery because it really is a who's who of former Milwaukee. Yes. And so what whether you believe that you can have a supernatural experience in a graveyard or not, you will definitely come away moved seeing those names that are the foundation mm-hmm. of the city that we have. It's, it's wonderful. Yes. So I love those. But Madison gave me all new opportunities to explore things. So of course, enjoying the Capitol because it truly is a beautiful building. And knowing that it has haunted history to me just makes it all the more special. Of course, I love the tales of the UW campus where you might know, and I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there once was a graveyard that was where the the campus was and not all of those bones made it out. And so now there is a, a little plaque commemorating the the people that were left behind. And they say lots of photographic evidence of something spooky when people are taking their photos by that plaque. So that is a lot of fun. They have a number of haunted bars in Madison, which, you know, is extremely fun because it kind of combines two of the things that Wisconsinites really enjoy. (laughs) So there, there are lots of different options. And I've got some great graveyard stories from Madison because just like Milwaukee, they have some very famous and infamous Mm -hmm. people buried. I'm excited to read more. Well, I can't wait for you to. You mentioned that you started leading shipwreck tours Mm -hmm. this year. Could you explain a little bit more about that? And what do you like about 
being a guide? I have been giving tours for over 10 years here in Milwaukee. And the thing I really love about that is it, I love telling stories and I love giving people a really fun, unique experience. And I've just never gotten tired of doing that. So that's kind of what I love about guiding. I love telling the stories that I tell because even people who have lived here their whole lives will say, I didn't know that. And that makes me really happy because I've just given them another reason to realize that where we live is so special and it's so much fun. Now, telling the shipwreck stories, I get to tell them on a boat. So I love that because then I get to sail every single week. And we do a, a beautiful sunset cruise. And there are few things that are as beautiful as being on Lake Michigan at sunset, watching the sunset over our skyline while those beautiful rays dance on the waves. It's it's one of the joys of my summer, and I feel so lucky to be able to do it. Who are the tours through? Oh, it's Milwaukee Boat Line. So if you see the Vista King sailing down the river onto the lake on Wednesday nights, chances are that's me. Okay. I will, I will give you a wave. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. If I see that boat. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the books or any of the stories? No, I just think that they're really just fun, bite-sized pieces of history and lore. And it would be my fondest wish if people tucked that into a backpack before they went camping or it showed up at some slumber party or any time where people are together and having a nice time and want just a little chill. I've worked with teenagers quite a bit, and spooky stories are one of the things that come up mm-hmm. every year, especially in October. Absolutely. Um, it's my month to shine. Yes. But outside of that, it just seems like teenagers are, are really interested in scary stories. I think so. I think at a time when you as a human are grappling with what does it mean to be a person, what is the human experience, what is social values, I think you find all of that in these ghost stories. Because when you look at why do people become ghosts, it's always a source of tragedy and it it defines what we value as a society. Even though it seems like these stories are not that deep, I think the reason that we go back to them generation after generation is because they really do speak to who we are at our core. And I think in a time when that's really confusing, being a teenager, these stories are pretty black and white. So, you know, bad pe- bad people do, you know, they, they're branded bad and good. and um, Especially the stor- storage and scandalous. It's- right. It's very much, yes. So I think even ghost stories, when you you have the good ghost who doesn't do anything, Mm. the bad ghost who is bad in life, and it defines what made them bad. So those things become really clear. Yeah, I I mean, a lot of us think of scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, absolutely. This is nice because it's a a more regional version. Sure. So it does show us our culture and, Mm -hmm. and some of the history of the place where we live. Yes. Which is what I like about the story. Well, how I really got into ghosts and ghost tours and stuff as an adult is I spent a, a good portion of my adulthood as a high school English teacher. And every year I would go on a solo spring break road trip. And I ended up 
starting to go to a different ghost tour every night because I'd be in a different city every night because I'm on a road trip. So it was this really wonderful way for me to explore cities. I think when you do it by foot, you see so much more because you slow down and relax. Having this guide that's pointing out these, because it's usually in the historical parts of town, you're getting a history tour, you're getting an architecture tour, you're getting the stories, and it's really a fun way to see a, a city. That was what inspired me to start Gothic Milwaukee, which was really just going to be like a fun project, but it ended up becoming a, a huge part of my life. And from there, the, the ghost books and all of the books came. Mm -hmm. So... From the walking tours right. to the books. Right. <laughs> yes. So I I feel like ghosts have given me a lot, and I'm very grateful. Those tours you've been on, they were in other states? Right. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. That, and, and to this day, I still love doing that. In February, I was in Arizona for book stuff, and I ended up going to Jerome, which is, is considered to be one of Arizona's most haunted cities. And of course, not only did I take the ghost tour to learn about it, I stayed at their most haunted establishment. Ooh. And it's just really fun. And it was such an easy way to meet people because especially at night, people are walking all over the hotel because they're trying to have, you know, have this ghostly experience and you already know what they're doing. And you, so you have this natural bond with them. And it, 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 it's just a very fun culture to be a part of. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of niche sort of, of travel that oh, people absolutely. do surrounding. Well, haunted tourism is actually big business and mm -hmm. ghost tours are only part of that. There are um, hotels in our town that are part of a network of haunted hotels that people want to stay at because they haunted tourism is a huge business. This podcast is very focused on reading. Yes. What are you currently reading? Well, I would like to say what I'm most anticipating. So as a spooky lady, I, I love spooky podcasts, and some of you listening might listen to one of my favorites called Morbid. Morbid are these two sisters from Massachusetts, and they do deep dives into crimes. One of them has written a fiction book for middle schoolers or young readers uh, called The Butcher and the Wren. It takes place in New Orleans and uh, it has this autopsy element and the woman who wrote the book is an autopsy technician. So I am extremely excited because I have been listening to these women tell stories for years on their podcast. I cannot wait to get my hand on what they've imagined in a fiction book. So it is what I'm waiting for this fall with Beta Breath. Ooh, sounds great. I know. The podcast sounds great too. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I definitely got into Serial, mm -hmm. Dear John, yes. and those podcasts. So this will like, they, they do it case by case. So you're mm. not having this exhaustive, but they're they're long and they're fun. It, I, I discovered them during quarantine and it was really, very dark subject matter with but the banter between the two of them keeps it light and compassionate and they really focus on honoring the the victims of these crimes so it's just kind of like hanging out with your goofy friends well i am just incredibly privileged that you have invited me to talk about my books and and about something that i feel so much passion for i'm really grateful and i hope all of your listeners have a spooktacular october 
Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for coming on and talking to us. Anna. Absolutely. And again, Anna's newest book, Madison Ghosts and Legends, is available on the shelves now. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Desk with your host Beth and guest Anna Lardenice. You can find the book titles we discussed in the show notes. Head to westallislibrary.org for more information. That's all for this episode. See you next time.